Hi, this is Angelina Asante. And Pickles. Welcome to this episode of the unofficial Red Sox Fantasy Campers podcast. Today we have a special guest that I'm really excited about, Donna Cohen. Hi. Hi, Donna. So I was a rookie last year, and the name I kept hearing everywhere was Donna, 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 and everyone would point to you. And I said, who is this lady that everybody's giving credit to about the, because I didn't know anything at all. The only thing I knew was the Red Sox kept sending emails saying, do this women's fantasy camp. But I hear you are instrumental in making all of this happen. I don't know if I was instrumental and then get credit for stuff that I don't know that I was as instrumental in. But um, I did get privileges being on the team that created this. Oh, wow. And I did get the privilege of adding my three, four, and five cents worth of how a woman's camp could be run, considering the fact that I don't play, um, just from a perspective of what women may be interested in and how we make it women-centric, the sports world, to see. So that was pretty cool. Had it been discussed for years before it ever came to fruition? I don't believe it had actually ever been discussed. I mean, once it started being discussed, it would take a long time for the camp to become established. Now, pretty quick. I know, right? So, so wait, did, what was the men's camp already running? The men's camp has been running for, I don't know, 20-some years. What? It is? Uh, um, the, the big camp. Oh, wow. The third week. And the second camp for the men was new after us. Oh, wow. So, so how did that happen? Did you, because I heard, and I don't know if it's true, another MLB team, which I'm forbidden to ever say that name. I heard that they had a women's camp. Is there any truth to that? And then you said, hey, Red Sox, we, we need to get a women's camp going here. I don't know if, that, if that's exactly how it came down, but the Yankees had a women's camp that they created because they wouldn't allow women into the men's camp. Oh. So they created one, as I'm told, they created one for women's, um, you know, kind of like Little League. When they got student loss, they created softball. Oh, no offense to the Yankees. I love the Yankees. But, um, and then we happened to be, I have a client, Dick Flavin. He's now passed. Some really sweet guy. I would travel with him down to spring training. And when he was doing his thing for Red Sox Destinations, I happened to be in a conversation with Dr. Charles Steinberg who was the executive vice president of the Red Sox at the time and a genius on marketing. Um, and we started talking about what about having a women's camp. And Tom Kennedy, who was in charge of the destinations program at the time, got called over and we said, what about a women's camp? And Charles really said, let's do it. Do you think that the hesitation was they didn't think there would be enough interest in it? You know, I don't know what I can't speak for the for the people at the Red Sox, but I can say that Dr. Charles was pretty convinced that this would be a success, that it was important for the Red Sox to be involved in something like this. And he thought he had the right people in the room. And as it turned out, he obviously had the right people, at least from the Red Sox side. How did they promote it? How did they get the word out so that he was playing players? I think they just posted it on their website and everybody shared it on some of it. 
as one of the camps that was being offered. I don't, I'd have to go back and look at exactly how they promoted it, but we got, we got to our four teams, which was our requirement, and we sold out. So we had bragging rights that we sold out. And now how did you get the original women in baseball involved with this? I mean, when we had our first um, burgers meeting, one of the suggestions that I had made was to keep the generations involved, and they were technically first and most well-known, so two AAGPBL players, um, two women coaches, and a career chief for the umpires that was a woman with the goal of having an all-women crew. So I picked up the phone and called Maybell and Shirley, and they said yes. Did you know them already? Yes. And they seem like they sincerely have a lot of fun, and they get a lot of pleasure out of knowing that this generation, and then, like, women, young young women, we have a, you know, younger crowd here, and then, like, somebody like Jackie, and, and then Oz, and all these young women who are bringing it to the next generation. That's their goal. Yeah, they seem, well, I like this camp because it normalizes women playing baseball. And we've been going to the local batting cage here for a couple years. And, you know, I started showing up after this camp myself. I was showing up by myself and not going with the other people I was going with. So they would always say, okay, you know, you want softballs. And I'd say, now when I walk up, they say, your baseballs are ready. Because now they know. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> yeah, thank it's you. education. Yeah. So we've so we've kind of, you know, and, and we've been, Pickles and I have been in there hitting where the guys in the cages next to us are hitting softballs. And we're hitting baseballs better than they're hitting softballs. And we've had a lot of weird looks and comments yeah. when we're in the batting cages. Yeah. Who are you? What are you doing here? And that's interesting because outside of our world that we all, each of you, everybody has created for women in baseball. People make a presumption that men play baseball and women play softball. And they assume, the uh, first time Joe Castiglione met Marty Sementelli, who's a very well-known pitcher for the Team USA, he lives in Massachusetts, he assumed she was playing softball. Really? And, um, and the president of the Angels, go figure, we went down to a meeting with him about women in baseball, and he thought we were talking about softball. So people have, it's up to us to teach them that men play softball around the world and women play baseball around the world. Right. And, it's, and we are the ones, our generation and forward will normalize that. So that's our job. And that's, you know, between Mary, who's now a member of our camp, and Shirley Berkovich, may she rest in peace, and Mabel Blair, they are very, very out there about making sure women have this opportunity and men get educated that we want the opportunity, we take it seriously, we'll work hard for it, and we'll promote it. Well, I love, I, we're, we're big fans of Shohei Otani, and, you know, we Yoshida, we got a ball signed by him last year. We we're so excited. Oh, so so cool. I love seeing the uprising of women in Japan too in baseball. That's really, really exciting to see what's going on there. But like you said, I watched Jackie um, in her league what, about a month ago in Sarasota, and there's women from all over the world playing baseball, and they are so good. 
It's amazing. Yeah. All Jackie's caliber. If you if you look at the World Baseball Softball Confederation, I serve on their diversity and inclusivity. I guess they call it commissioner. Um, women are playing baseball all over the world. Maggie Meidlinger, who's Team USA, but also was a coach at Art Camp once, has a program she helps with in Uganda every year. Wow. Four or five gals from Team USA go with her. Everybody sends support, and it's it's in the most unexpected places, and yet it's also in Japan. It's in Korea. We have a woman from Australia earlier in the room. Shares for Australia, Canada, yeah, Cuba. Oh, Puerto Rico. We had this week, we had somebody on the winning team. We had the United States hosted the Women's Baseball World Cup in 2018 down in Florida. And the largest number of fans came from outside of the United States. What city was that in? It was in somewhere in Verum Beach. But I will have to get the exact location because. If I screwed up the location, I would feel bad for everybody who works. I won't do that again because... Oh, we would do a road trip for sure. Well, they'll be in Canada in August for the World Cup. Oh, the World Cup. Wow. When this camp started, did you have a hard time getting coaches or did you go to the big camp to ask those coaches if they wanted to to come to a women's camp as well? Uh, We had a conversation about the coaches that were already committed to fantasy camp for the Red Sox. And went through the list of those that might be inclined, those that might be a good fit. We didn't know yet the personality of the camp, but the Red Sox knew the personalities of their alumni. And so um, I thought for the most part, we got a pretty good group together for that first year. But the Red Sox know their coaches to the fantasy camps pretty well. So that was kind of a... Well, I will say, like last year as a rookie, I everyone is so respectful of the women, and they're sincere about coaching and teaching, and I really appreciated that because, honestly, you know, I was coming into it thinking, you know, I hope the guys aren't condescending, but they're not. They really want to make you a good ball player, and I really appreciated that. Not for nothing, but they love coaching. I I didn't want to say anything. Honestly, every single coach has told me that women are more fun. You know, more fun. Smarter, they more take it more seriously. And they don't, we don't mind being corrected. We don't get injured. So right. It's just the true. Yes. The men's can. <laughs> that's true. That's true. The, the men are trying to get drafted. Yeah. It's a fun, it's a fun group of ladies. Are you surprised that it's expanded now to six teams? Because when I started three years ago, it had been four teams, I guess, since the beginning. And then last year there was five and now it's six. Do you, do you, are you surprised? It's growing, or do you see it even growing bigger? I am not surprised, but having it at four, it did form a family. Yeah. And so it expanded from there, just new members of the sisterhood, as it's called, coming into play, veterans maybe not coming back another year, camper veterans. Um, A lot of people wanted to keep it at four, but people were, last year, and the year before, people were trying to sign up for the next year because they didn't want to get shut out. Wow. So they expanded it to five camps. Mm-hmm. And this year, they were lucky enough to get a waiting list for six teams. 
Five, five teams, not five camps. Someday we'll have five teams. Wow. That is phenomenal. So, yeah. And look, I'm so proud to be instrumental with getting this. I, like I said, I'm not instrumental. I'm very quiet in the background, but um, I do stick my nose in, <laughs> even when it's not asked. Well, we were trying to figure out everything about how did it start, you know, besides figuring somebody looked at the Red Sox website. I, like Angelina was saying earlier, everyone said, you got to talk to Donna, mm-hmm. you know, so even though you don't think you were instrumental, everybody not thinks you are. Or knows you are. Okay, we might want to despite them. Uh, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> Not actually. You know, you had to me once about Perry. So she was, was she the first umpire? You said she has a lot of knowledge about the camp as well? Yes. Did she come in off the, the, from the beginning? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she brought in four. Oh, let's see. At the time, I think it was four women to umpire. That was kind of a challenge to be able to convince them that we were going to be using our own. Yeah umpires well i mean it wasn't like we walked in and said this is what we want because we had no idea what it would look like but that's kind of important if you're going to create a women's program but yeah you include as many women as you can in all aspects of the sport to show at least my philosophy to show that it's not just the people that play it's there was there was continuing reporting we got great press from the beginning or yeah when the camp started we've got great press from florida from uh, from the globe from the red sox yeah i was fortunate enough to read the article on the globe just this week and mm-hmm. it, it was great wasn't it great oh, god fabulous enough to get they had yeah i mean the, the lady's sliding in whether you know whether she was tagged out or she made it i don't i didn't i don't remember but on that picture alone you know, your eyes were drawn to it, and to think it was women doing it, I'm sure the people that read the Globe are probably really like, what is this all about, you know? So uh, I like that. One of the things that I think about at more than once during the year, like more than Kiev, is, you know, the movie A League of Their Own is so beloved by so many people that when we were grown up, I've known Christine almost all my life, MVP over here, um, when we were growing up, we just played softball because that's what we were told to do. And she played all the way through college. And I was speaking to Jackie yesterday, and who's the in men's camp, you know, men's college baseball coach at UMass. And I said to her, I said, I wonder why I didn't even think about fighting for baseball. It was so ingrained in me that women don't play baseball that I didn't even question it. And so I'm glad that the next generation is saying we're playing baseball. So I'm really grateful for that. And I'm grateful for everyone involved in making this camp to, to normalize women playing baseball again, because it shouldn't be a a heyday. You know, when you go to Cooperstown, well, there's where the women were in their little section. You know, I'd love to go see a whole new wing opened up of current baseball players. That would be interesting. That would be amazing. Can you talk about what you mentioned last night's happening with at Cooper's Hell with the women, um, with the Red Sox, that they are going to be putting something in there as far as uh, well, the both that these two ladies. Um, right? That's amazing. I don't know. What was the other that they're putting in uh, they're starting off with? So, first of all, I just want to make one correction. It's not Cooperstown. Oh, where is that? Uh, every team has their own history and archives of 
their um, their organization, and they have a curator who goes through items that are worthy of being kept and preserved for historical purposes, and then Sarah Coffin is a woman who is curating that now, the archives for the Boston Rents office, oh, too. And I had been talking to her about, you know, we, what can we do? What can we do? And I knew I had the bat, which I'll get to in a minute. Um, so I called her yesterday, and I'm just looking as my son, and um, and said, all right, we have our banquet tonight, and we have this awesome new piece of of um, something that we can preserve. So can I announce we're going to be part of the archive in this group? And she said, sure. And I told her the two pieces that I was proposing that go in there. And she said, okay. And I said, send me a text message of what I can say, which now I know you have a copy of because you asked me for it. Lad. I didn't send the te- I did send her a text message, but I wrote out the quote so I wouldn't get it wrong. So did these two ladies even know that was happening? No, nobody <gasps> knew. Nobody knew? Well, what your ladies studied. Wow. Oh, I can't believe it. I thought about telling you ahead of time, but I had promised I was going to make it happen. Well, we sat there and showed me the book. Wow. So for I don't know whether I cut or not, but I don't, never stopped me before. For those of you who don't know what's happening right now, Michelle Burnham and Chrissy Massey are sitting in the interview room, and they both put a book together about what this fantasy camp and women playing baseball means to them. And last year they read it. I guess Michelle told me that she had just written it last year, and I thought it was an annual thing. And hearing those words as a rookie, I was very, very moved. And I went up to Michelle and said, thank you for writing something so beautiful that I really, really identified with. And then this year when we came in, we found out that that's going into the Red Sox Hall of Fame, right? And that's going to be curated in their... Is that where it's going into their archives? Or their archives. So is that... It's like their own little there's this well it's not small is that where a big poppy stuff is and you see the pennants and the rings and all is that the room so that's the area that they choose items to be displayed okay similar to the cooperstown hall of fame they have they select items that they would like to keep and preserve and then over time they choose things to display or bring out at different events which we are hoping that they will bring out these two items um, at the appropriate times and when it's when it's appropriate and when the book was created and we had our illustrator so we had it in I know you're you're like you're biting your lip I can tell you're trying to but um this was like the coup de gras yeah that's amazing between the bad and this book I don't know what in between could have been any better than these two so I was yeah, yeah. That's that really is amazing to see this stuff. Are it is available to the public to see these archives? I guess I'm going to have to learn a little more about this since I sort of put my feet ahead in my. Uh-huh. Michelle, can I can I tell the story? Because you look like you maybe don't want to share it right now. Michelle came up to the breakfast table today when Christine and I were sitting there, and we were so excited. We were asking her what what happened when she heard that news. And she said, I went out to the hallway and I called my mom 
And my mom was like, oh, that's that's nice. I, I don't really know what that means. And she's like, mom, when I'm gone, it's going to be there. She said, so there's something there's something that's going to be there that's going to live on forever. And oh, my God, I can't look at Michelle right now. So I'm I'm so so. And thank you so much to Christy Massey for getting yeah, together and using the pictures. pictures. Everything went so well together. It was just a beautifully choreographed book, you know, with, the, with a little bit of both of you that now live on in history. And I'm honored to really not only call you guys, you know, friends, but teammates and, you know, just I, I'm, I'm honored to know you. And we feel those words. Yes. We feel those words because I, I said to Christy and I said, look, look at the look at the amount of work that went into this and every one of those every one of those pictures was hand selected for that book i can't look at you don't look at me right now <laughs> oh my god and the books were all put into every camper's locker so unbeknownst to us you know right. and every day and there could be a new item and this was a book that they made sure each one of us got so it wasn't just something that we would hear meant being mentioned at the like the morning meeting now we all have it to take home you know which is great yeah and it's such an amazing prolong because every time that I posted it, um, you know, on the forum and stuff, but just as a kind of reminder, it's everybody says, you know, over and over again, how much it means when they read it and how much it feels. So it's not just us. Anybody who reads it feels it. And it's amazing. And I was happy to read it Any, every, every year. Chris happened to <laughs> Sure. And no one look at her when she's doing it. You ask me how I get through it without the tears. I best because I go to the very back field by a field, you know, past field one and two or in the complex, walk in a, in a circle, reading it multiple times, skipping my tears out before I go to a meeting and, and read it in front of everybody. I can't read. Oh, I'm not a ball player and I cry when I read Yeah. You feel it. You feel it. You feel it for everyone who never got a chance to play. Yeah. It. And you feel it for everybody who does. And then you feel it for all the girls coming ahead. Am I? Yeah. Beautifully. Who will get to read that and know, wow, someone before me felt the same way I'm right. Sometimes the best therapy is to put some. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Tali, you mentioned the bat as well, but you didn't tell us about it. So the very first year when the, when the souvenirs and items and gifts were being delivered to the lockers, one of the things that we had agreed is whatever the men's camp gets, we wanted to be on par so that, I mean, they're here for a whole week. We were going to be here for a long weekend. But the bat was something that every year you get the bat, you get the bats in your Hey, Locker, it has your name on it. It has Red Sox Women's Fantasy Camp, the year. They were red for our first year. They were amazing. They were gorgeous. And I took the bat and ran. When we do the autographs? Yeah. Run with the bat. <laughs> we need to save the bullet. And, and everyone who was there, to my knowledge, every camper, every umpire, every Oh, coach, Wow. And every member of the staff who participated yeah, that's awesome. one year um, signed that bat. And then when everybody was shipping their bats home, I shipped that to my house, knowing someday. Wow. And that's in the archives. 
that's, so that's the other piece wow to the archives and they haven't made that red bat since wow it's really even more unique for any veteran who was an inaugural member of that camp and as tom kennedy said and i loved share the yankees men may have been first we protected it yeah well i just want to thank you for being an advocate for women in baseball it's it's been really an amazing experience being with all of you ladies. Um, I'm glad that you will keep it going. Yeah, thank because you. We are here except for you. All right, Pickles, you have an important question to ask. And I'm really curious as to your answer. Um, I'd like to know what's your favorite baseball movie. Um, well, besides The League of the Round, since I know I've had the privilege of meeting most of those women are learning about them and working with the Penny Marshall estate and her daughter. Um, I actually, one of my favorite ones is Trouble with the Curve. Oh, nobody's said that yet. I'm not, is that Kevin Costner? No. I don't even know. I'm not sure I even know that movie. Yeah, and Amy Adams, right? Oh. I need to look at that one. I need to look at that one. It's like a scout, the scouting side of it. Oh. Okay, I'll have to check that out. But it's a very, very important movie on not only coming of age, young players making presumptions about themselves and all the money they're going to make and how everybody else needs to get out of their way so they can make their, you know, name for themselves. It is about scouting the old-fashioned way versus on the computer. Um, but it also is about a woman who was the daughter of the scout who traveled everywhere with him because he was her primary caretaker. Every single high school, college game, and was a lawyer, and at the end of the day became an agent. Oh, wow. She was the one that fought for the guy who, Jackie, you know the story just as well. Jackie Rounds is sitting here. She was nodding her head <laughs> when I said the name of the movie. It's one of my, it's of my favorite uh, movies because she found a guy who just happened to be out in the backyard throwing, and she heard the sound that he's out of hears, wow. meaning to see it or without a computer, and she knew it would be a good match for the team. And fought to get him onto the field to throw so that the real scouts could see him. And this kid who had a big head and thought he was going to get, you know, all the girls and all the money, uh, she brought him into pitch talk. And his famous line was, Peanut boy! This going to be ugly. <laughs> and he could not it occurred. Oh, oh, okay. So the the title, because wait, that's what they say with some some of those guys. They have trouble with the curve, right? Oh, that I don't want to look good. To movie, we're gonna have to do baseball movie night at my house, Nicole and Cole, because we've we've got movies we've been hearing about, and I'm like, I'm not. That's one I definitely need to watch. What I miss? Is there something else on the movie that I missed? So, the the Red Sox are technically in it because the Red Sox, Red Sox scout. Is the guy that Justin Timberlake played? Oh, oh, wow! Yeah, and then um, the guy who plays Scooby Doo, 
um, he plays Shaggy uh, in the the life version, not the the, the cartoon on. He's also okay. I d- I need to check this it's, movie out it's from 2012. It's, oh, okay. It's uh, I would say it's on the like slower side because it's more thought process um, and like a more thinking movie because they go into like details about like what what it's like to be a scout and stuff and like the scouting side of baseball isn't all glamorous. It's more you have to travel a lot. You have to go to these baseball games and watch carefully, write your reports, and it kind of hits on that stuff. So there's not as much baseball is, but it's more behind-the-scenes stuff. So it's a movie that you can get to see a little bit more behind-the-scenes than what happens on the field. That's what I'm to rate. Yeah, um, all the scouts who are grinding it out every day and looking for the right players still... Yeah, you really get to see how Barty did to be a scout mm-hmm. and work within an organization to get your players in and to know that not every player has the same story. So someone might be, you have to look at a player holistically. What is it that they need, which might be different than someone else, just because someone gets up to the plate with a bat or have them filled with a glove. They don't all come to that glove or that bat the same way, so you need to know what they need to make them the best they can be for your team. Well, I just want to thank you for everything you've done and, and making this dream reality. And thank you to all you ladies in here for making this experience for us so amazing and something that we've started looking forward to every year, spending time with our baseball friends. And promoting it every chance we get. Yeah. Thank you. Yep. Yeah, thank you, ladies. Can well, I had a plug? Sure. Okay. Yes. You can cut it out if you don't think No, that's okay. fine. But... Um, so Little League, that wouldn't permit girls to play it for the longest time. Maria Pepe, who you may, if you look her up, she was the nine-year-old who got thrown out of Little League in the national organization that wouldn't have fought for her. Not to play, because by the time the decision came down, she had aged out. By the fact that girls were entitled to be able to play Little League that couldn't be left out. Little League had then created softball in order to continue to keep girls out. This year, for the very first time, working with Justin Siegel at Baseball for All and Maria Pepe. Um, and I'm really proud because I represent Maria and I also work with Baseball for All. I'm having their very first girls baseball tournament. Wow. In Williamsport. Wow. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Awesome. So, so girl. So is this the so the same girl who aged out is now fighting in part of this? She's not. She's not fighting, but she's being honored. It's called the Maria and Pepe Tournament. Oh wow! Awesome. Wow! Oh, that's amazing. Oh, I just got chills. That's amazing. Dates. Thank you, Jackie. <laughs> Dates. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, is, there, is this Massachusetts? I didn't recognize the name no, of the town. Williamsport is Little League's 
they've got like 20 fields. Oh, wow. Okay. MLB will play there for the World Series weekend. Teams from all over the world. Oh, wow. Compete to be able to be in Little League World Series, which is held in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. And the turn of the world, the states, they all get represented. So, oh, why not here in Little League? If you get on for the All-Star team, then you start facing other towns. And then it gets bigger to where you're facing the winner of Massachusetts versus New Hampshire. Oh, wow. And then it gets regional. And then basically you keep on going. And then there is the other side of the bracket, which is the world side, which can be like Japan, Canada, um, Chinese Taipei, I think was in it last year. Australia. Australia, like all these. Come from all over the world. Yeah. And wow. And um, and it's televised in all the games. That ESPN. And if you think our coaches love coaching us, the ESPN reporters, this is their favorite time of year. Oh, wow. Because they do every game. And, okay, thank you, Jackie. It's the weekend of June 8th, 7th, 8th, and 9th. Okay, well, we'll, we'll be doing the news about that then. We'll be posting information about that. I'm glad you all told us about that. We should all be there to cheer them on and make sure they know that there are women here who are. That's awesome. For all the younger players. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Donna. Okay, now we're going to stop. No, this this is really good. That we follow, you know, we try to follow baseball news. So that's that's something I honestly Mm -hmm. didn't even know about. So that's good information. So, well, this is Double A. And Pickles. We're signing off. Thank you so much, Donna. And thank you all ladies. This is this has been really, really just one of the best weeks of my life. I love you guys so much. And just to the interviews, it's so fulfilling to hear these stories. Oh yeah, it's amazing. We we don't we don't hear this anywhere. You're getting it out there. there. Alright, this is Double A and Pickle signing off for the unofficial Red Sox Fantasy Campers podcast. When Donna Cohen, Maybell Blair, and Shirley Berkovich met with Red Sox management and coaches, the guys were concerned about the women's sensibilities and didn't want to offend. They wanted to know just how you treat women who attend fantasy camp. That's when Maybell piped up and said, you treat them like ball players.